In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we enter into a, a new year, it's always the time of awards ceremonies, uh, the red carpet entrances, the interviews in the red carpet, the sensational suits and dresses, the lavish affairs. We're talking the, the Brits, we're talking the Oscars, uh, the Grammys, I think, also, the BAFTAs. Now, at these award ceremonies, there are great examples of gifted, talented people in TV, in film, in music. Folks that we know entertain us with their craft. I know most of the actors that get nominated at these events, but I don't know if anybody saw the Brits, um, or if most of you probably turned it off after five minutes. Um, anyway, we watched it for a short while, and I was shocked and humbled by the very fact that I think I knew about one-tenth of the names uh, mentioned. A sign of age, Kathleen. Yeah. Uh, I did know a couple of folk. I knew Lewis Capaldi. Um, I knew uh, Stormzy. Uh, so that's a couple of names that I knew uh, of the, the batch of these music stars. When it comes to the winners, you, you know what happens. It seems to be the tradition is... And I don't know if they're told, maybe they get 30 seconds, maybe they're told you've got 30 seconds for your speech, or maybe you've got a minute. Um, usually they overrun, um, and, and they go up and they get their award, and they say something. I wonder what that signifies. I wonder what going up for the award and speaking signifies. In some ways, we might see it as recognising greatness. In our time, our generation, we can understand this, that with social media and media in general, there are certain folks in society that are elevated high on a, a pedestal, we might say. We are encouraged, almost, to see them as great to recognise their greatness, be they sporting heroes, heroines, be they actors, music stars, whatever. With social media, millions of people can follow these stars, hooked on every word and tweet, mesmerised by every glamorous photo, and we want to be that person. Oh, I wish I was that famous, that good at football or music. The awards season rightly awards someone who is good at the craft an award. That's, that's fine. But more than this, there is a sense that as actor so-and-so goes up for their reward or singer so-and-so goes up, there's also that acknowledgement that you are great. The other thing I note from awards season is the assumption that not just using their speech to say thank you to their family, to their agents, to their fellow actors, 
Uh, sometimes even thank you to God, as we see uh, with actors and, and musicians quite frequently. But there always seems to be a, an assumption that they need to give some sort of message to the world. That they need to somehow give a, 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 a message to kind of... Uh, make us think and, and ponder and reflect. It might be it's about climate change. It might be it's about economic unfairness. It might be it's about gender inequality or it's about uh, racism. Uh, uh, you might know from the Brits, one of the, the singers uh, adapted his lines uh, in that song. It's almost as if there is a feeling that they have to be provocative, political, critical. Indication of greatness, an opportunity for highlighting a message, making a point. Jesus' moment on the hilltop, on the stage, as it were, with Peter and James and John and the legends of Moses and Elijah, we know as the transfiguration. Now, most of us here would say Jesus is irrefutably great. His greatness in this scene is conferred on him by God. Not just fandom generated by followers in the world, but God. This is my son. And I also want us to think today about the message that Jesus endorsed on that hilltop. As we are bystanders, or we, we are participants in that scene, what is the message that Jesus is endorsing? The transfiguration emerges from a stream of tradition, expecting the return of great prophets like Moses and Elijah, their presence marks Jesus here as their heir, collaborator in God's holy work. And if the presence of Moses and Elijah is insufficient proof of Jesus' calling, then God's voice settles the matter entirely. It's a voice that moves the disciples to fear. Peter, at least, moves from a gesture of hospitality to holy fear, awe in the presence and noise of God. The scene is all about making Jesus to be like Elijah and Moses, but more than them, for he is alive. Elijah and Moses are long gone. Yes, folks were expecting the return, but now clearly they're not going to return. The folks who wrote up this story knew about Jesus' resurrection. So they were saying Jesus is different, better, greater than Moses and Elijah. There is none like him. He is truly God's servant. He is, as God says, my chosen son. The whole transfiguration is intended to reveal Jesus' greatness. Not earned, not awarded by a human judging panel, he is great because he's God's son, making him different. If ever anyone has to be listened to then, 
Surely it is this Son of God. Surely here a pronouncement, a message is worth listening to. Did he use the platform, the stage of this encounter, the scene, the flashing lights, the glitz and glamour of the transfiguration moment, did he use it to give a message? I think the answer is yes and no. No, because it wasn't your typical way of somebody seizing the moment, taking the microphone to all the adoring fans and then giving a message to the world waiting for that voice. Jesus seemed to somehow dampen the limelight in that moment as he reached out, touched his friends. The scene changes, disappearing as all the rips razzle and dazzle. And where the gospel describes the scene going back to normal. But yes, somehow Jesus' influence is made and his point is made in that very scene. Recognising fear, reaching out, touching them, lifting that wobbly leg syndrome of, of being absolutely on their knees with fear and putting them back at peace. No audible divine voice, no light emanating from Jesus' face. The world goes back to the way it was. The glitz and the glamour and the light show is suddenly no more. Instead, we have four friends atop a mountaintop, very aware of the world they exist in. Not living in a dream, but seeing the reality again of their situation. Maybe looking down on a village below and recognising what the, the kind of fear and what the situation is for those folks in that town, in ordinary life. Yes, it goes back to normal, but these folks have been changed by their encounter. The world might have gone back to the way it was, but the disciples cannot return to the same world as they descend from that mountaintop. They have been changed. Folks, I want us to think today, what if this transfiguration is about confirming everything that they had witnessed when they were listening to Jesus, when they were seeing Jesus in action? If this moment was to fully confirm that this man, Jesus, their leader who they were following, was great, was special, and that he was calling them to join him in serving the world. Jesus' purpose was to establish the kingdom of God on earth. And so what was witnessed and experienced on the mountaintop was not a vision of a distant realm or even what is yet to be, but is a truth that glory and good news and the kingdom is tucked in what already is apparent if we have eyes to see and faith to believe i think here jesus is actually saying if you're looking for the the wonderful and the awesome you don't have to look far away you don't have to go to a mountaintop to experience it 
You don't have to go to the place where stardom and fandom and glitz and glamour are found. The wonderful is found right where you are. Right in your midst. In the people you share life with. They are amazing people. Gifts, talents galore. In the streets you live in, in the communities you're part of, in the towns and the cities and the country and the world that you live in, in the daily life, in the rituals of daily life, in the ordinary, there is found the awesome presence of God, never far away from you. I think the transfiguration is an invitation to us, Jesus' followers, to simply realise and then release the glory and the wonder that is folded into everything, everything of a practical nature, of an everyday nature that we experience in our world. Today we meet Jesus on the hilltop. The first ones to have something revealed to them had to climb the mountain with Jesus. But in truth today, I think this lesson encourages us to see it, the glory, right here where we live, in our world and in our time. Realise this and then release the wonder of God as we lead others to know it in our lives. In the everyday there is glory waiting and it takes only a glance in its direction for people to realise it and see it. Two simple things then from our story of transfiguration. The first is simple. Jesus is great. We don't need to say any more. He is God's son. He is different. His message carrying an embodiment of God's love is very special. Jesus doesn't want us to wait for him, and that's the second thing. He doesn't want fandom. He doesn't want us just to kind of look for the mountaintop experience to see him. He points us in the direction of the real world and says, there, where you live, is where the awesome presence of God is found. Go and realize it. Go and release it in your living. Amen. And we ask for God's blessing on the preaching of his word.